This is Doral Vineyard. So welcome. Super happy that you're here, okay? And so we are wrapping up our series today that we're calling Don't Stop Believing. Don't Stop Believing. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to the book of Matthew chapter 9. If you don't have an actual physical Bible, it's all good. If you have a phone or electronic, all of the notes and everything that I'm going to share today are available in digital form that you can access on your phone. All you have to do is have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone and then all the verses and title of the message, all the, the points from the message, in case you want to write them down, they're available as well. We actually have an instructional video that we're going to run right here. In case you're a visual learner like me, you can follow along that way. So I'm going to actually do it on my phone as we show the instructional video. You can roll that whenever you're ready. So you have to have the YouVersion Bible app, and it looks like that. Once you have it, you click on it. Just clicked on it. Once you click on it, you go to the bottom right where it says more. Click on that. Another page will pop up, and you're looking for the word events, which is the third word from the top. You click on that, and then boom! Doral Vineyard Church is right there with the red letters that say, or the little red box says live. Click on that. Chapter 6, don't stop believing. Here's all the, the message. Matthew 9, there it is, and Luke, and all that good stuff is right there. You can access it right there, okay, you guys? So feel free to look that up if you want. Matthew chapter 9. I want to want to start off today by, as I get here a little bit organized, I want to start off today by telling you that I've been thinking about this word quite a bit recently. Actually, it's been years. A word I want to bring to your attention. And it's been years and years I've been thinking about this word. I want to just bring it to you guys and, and see what you guys think. This word is the word Christian. Christian. What do you think of when you hear the word Christian? What do you think of? I think, you know, some people, they, they say like, well, it depends. There's different reactions, right, to people when, when you hear the word Christian. Um, different responses. If I were to ask you what you think of the word Christian, you might tell me something. If I was to ask somebody on the street, ask them on the street, not ask them. If I was to ask somebody on the street, what do you think about the word Christian? Uh, or what do you think of when you think of the word Christian? They may have a different response. Here's some of the response. What do you think of when you hear the word Christian? You might, maybe somebody here would say, well, I think of somebody who's been transformed. Somebody who's been transformed by, by God, he, that they were one way, and then all of a sudden they met Jesus and they became different. Um, someone else may say, well, when I think of the word Christian, I think of somebody who's out of touch. Somebody who's just like deceived, just like simple-minded, doesn't really think through things. They just, they have this, you know, religion as a crutch, this imaginary crutch. What do you think of when you hear the word Christian? Some people would say, well, um, I think of somebody who's very loving, very forgiving, very generous, very benevolent, a person who's like Christ. Someone else may say, oh, no, no, Christians, I know all about them. They're judgmental, they're narrow-minded, they're legalistic, right? What, what, what do you think someone uh, would think of when they hear the word Christian? Somebody might say, well, you know, somebody, uh, they're known for their love. Christians, they're known for their love, and, and they're known for their compassion, and they're known for their faithfulness, and they're known for their integrity. On the other hand, somebody might say, well, that's what you think. That's not what I think of when I hear the word Christian. I think of somebody who's like known what they're against and what they're for, right? They're known more for what they're against than they are what they're for. They're, they're known for, you know, not liking to have any kind of fun. 
They're known for being against like drinking and being against like smoking and being against like dancing and being against like going to the clubs and being against like, you know, um, um, I don't know, anything that's fun, checking out the opposite sex or even having sex. You know, they're, 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 they're all, they're just, and, and they're even against each other. That's like the, the epitome of it all. Christians are against each other. They can't even get along. Unfortunately, when you ask that question, you get a mixed review of people. What do you think of when you hear the word Christian? What's interesting to me is that Jesus, he never, ever asked anybody to be a Christian. Did you know that? He actually never asked anybody. Now, there's nothing wrong with the word Christian. I use it all the time. Um, but it means different things to different people. In fact, the phrase Christian was first used back in the book of Acts. It was actually used to make fun of people. There was a group of people that were not yet believers, and they started making fun of these people. They called them, in in those times, they called them Christianos, the Latin word for Christian, Christianos. And what that meant was like, you act just like Jesus. You talk just like Jesus. You, you're, you're like a mini-me of Jesus. Like, you, you move around like Jesus. You, everything you do, you're like, and so it was actually meant as a derogatory way of expressing this is who you are, making fun of them. For some of the people that were listening, that were being, you know, that were listening, they would think, oh, that's a compliment. I mean, I know you mean it as a derogatory term, but I'm, I'm actually taking it as a, as a compliment. And so what do you think about it though. Je- Jesus never asked anyone to be a Christian. In his language, he asked them to, to something else. When, when he was around, you know, they say they sp- he spoke a language called Aramaic, and Jesus called people to do something completely different. Didn't call them to be Christians, he called them to follow him. Look at what scripture says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. This is in the New Living Translation. Jesus says this, as Um, I'm sorry, the scriptures say this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now, in case you don't know who Matthew is, Matthew was a tax collector who would have been despised by people of his time. And Jesus goes on to to tell this guy this thing that others would have said, you know, this guy, Matthew is a criminal. He's a criminal. But Jesus goes to him and he says, follow me. Notice he didn't say, believe like I believe. He just said, follow me. Look what he says. Follow me and be my disciple. Can everybody say, follow me? Good. Now, that's what Jesus said to him. He said, and so what did Matthew do? Matthew got up and he followed Jesus. Can everybody say, followed him? Good, good. So Jesus didn't say, hey, would you be a Christian? That's not what Jesus said. Hey, would you believe this set of rules? that I want you to believe. No, that's not what he said. Jesus didn't say, hey, would you go to church? No, he didn't say that. What he said was, would you leave where you are and follow me? Now, the Greek word, mathetes, that is translated there as disciple, it means a learner. It means a pupil. It also means disciple, so that's a good translation, and it means a follower. Now, I love this. Think about this. Jesus never said to be a Christian. What he said was, hey, be be a student. Study me. Be a learner. Learn from me. He said, follow me. 
be a disciple. In other words, Jesus was saying, what I want you to do is, I want you to live like I live. I want you to do what I do. I want you to love as I love. I want you to follow me. I'm not asking you just to believe what I believe. That's not what he's asking. But I'm asking you to live the way that I live. Let's do life together. Let's, let's go and change the world together. I'm, I'm not inviting you to become a part of a religion. I'm not inviting you to become a part of a belief system. I'm asking you, or, or even to join an organization, I'm asking you to be a part of a movement. Would you come along and follow me? And when you do, when you do this, guess what you're gonna get to do? You're gonna live like I live, you're gonna love like I, live, I love, and you're gonna, you're gonna do what I do. Because you're not joining a church. You're joining a movement. You're gonna follow Jesus. You're gonna follow me, Jesus says, and be a disciple. And so when you believe in who you are, that's been the key phrase of our series the past six weeks. When you believe in who you are, you'll know what to do. Those of you who've met Christ, your life has been transformed and you've been forgiven. Your old life is gone and the new is coming to you and you're filled with the Spirit of God. You've learned throughout this series a few truths. You've learned that as now someone who has experienced God's forgiveness, God says now that I'm instrumental. So you are instrumental. You are God's finest. You are an influencer. You are more than enough. You are a champion. And let me tell you what else you are. The final installment chapter of our series is you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not just a Christian and whatever goes along with that, whatever that means to different people. No, you are a disciple. You are one who lives like Jesus lives, who loves like Jesus loves, and who does what Jesus does. Everybody say, I am. I am. Say it again, I am, I am. A, follower of Jesus Christ. a follower of Jesus Christ. My life, my life. Is, not my is not my own. I have been bought, have been bought with, a price. with a price. I belong to him. I will live like he lived. I will love like he loved. And I will do what he did. I am his follower. I am his disciple. And when you believe in who you are, you will know what to do. Now, I've got great news for you if you are a follower of Christ. Now, as a follower of Christ, as a follower of Jesus, here's some more truth for you. If you want, you can take notes. The first truth is this, that you are, you are gonna find a need and you're gonna meet it. As a follower of Jesus, you're gonna find a need and you're gonna meet it. You could go ahead and write that down, okay? Find a need, and you're gonna meet it. Jesus shares a story that starts off sounding like a joke, right? And he says this, once there was this priest, this Levite, and this Samaritan, and they walk in a bar, right? Actually, he changes it up a little bit, but it turns out that, not to, it, it turns out that this is not really a joke, right? As they listen to the story, it's not quite as funny as they thought. There is this guy, Jesus says, that has been robbed, and he's been beaten, and he's been stripped naked, and he's left half dead. And so this priest comes along. He comes along the way, and a priest is like me, a pastor, right? And the pastor sees him, the priest sees him, and he just keeps walking along the way. And then a Levite, a Levite is someone who's like a staff person at the church or like a leader in a church. And so a Levite comes along, and he sees the guy, and he just keeps walking past him, right? 
And so next guy comes is this guy that totally would have rocked the people who are listening. So Jesus is talking to a bunch of people who are Jews. And Jesus says, now the next guy comes around is a Samaritan. And they're like, wait, what? They like take a second, a second, you know, a second take, like what? What did you say? Why, why are you even talking about a Samaritan? Like a Samaritan in those times for Jews, you don't even like need to waste your breath on them. They were considered like half-breeds, half-castes, lower than like humans. And so when Jesus is saying, yeah, once there was this priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan, they're like, wait, do you, you sure you got this right? No, I've heard this story like tons of times. And it's like once there was a, a priest, a Levite, and a law-abiding Jew, right? That's what you want to say, not a Samaritan. What, what are you going there for, Jesus? What is this about? And so he goes on, he picks up the story, Jesus, he tells the story. And when he gets to the part about the Samaritan entering the story, let's look in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 33. But a Samaritan, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and he saw him. And what happened, you guys? He took pity on him. Say it with me. He took pity on him. Say it one more time. He took pity. Good. So he went on, and he, he, he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, and he poured oil and wine, and then he put him in his mini SUV that looked more like a donkey at that time, and he took him to a Holiday Inn Express that looked more like an inn at that time, and to take care of him, and the next day he slaps down his Visa card that looked like more like silver coins at that time, and he obviously wanted some freaking flyers or something, but he says, look, he tells the innkeeper, take care of him, look after him, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense, and Jesus said this to them. He said the words, this is what Jesus says to the people who are listening. He says these words, very important, four words. You ready? Here are the words. He says, go and do likewise. Say it with me, everyone. Go and do likewise. Say it again. Come on, say it like you mean it. Go and do likewise. You are a follower of Jesus. And as a follower of Jesus, we're going to go and do likewise. We're going to love how Jesus loved. We're going to live like Jesus lived. We're going to do what Jesus did. And so often, I'll be honest, I'm a bit like that priest in that story that Jesus told. So often, I'm like that Levite. I see a need, and I just walk straight on by. Maybe I'm driving down a road, and I see somebody with a flat tire, and I say, oh, sorry, and I just keep going. Or maybe I'm at the grocery store and I see these older couple and they look like they need help putting groceries in their car or, or whatever, and I just walk on by. And so I wonder, why do I do this? Why do I just like keep on driving? Why do I just like not stop? Why is it, maybe why is it that we do not meet these needs? I don't think it's because we're bad. Honestly, I don't. I don't think it's because we're bad. I think we're actually pretty good people. I think it's just because we're busy. And I've said this before many a times. And I'll say it again and again. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. He'll make you busy. I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry. I'm learning that being in a hurry is the enemy of the spiritual life. You know why? Because when we're in a hurry, we don't have time. And love takes time. So I heard this experiment that was done with these seminary students who were at, in college, they were in seminary, and 
the professor decided to do this thing with him, with them. And he said, all right, you guys, you're in this classroom right here. I need you to go to the next building. Go outside this building and go to the next building, to the chapel, and I want you to preach a message. You got five minutes to pre- preach a message on Luke chapter 10, the Samaritan, the, the whole parable story of Jesus that Jesus told. I want you to tell, I want you to preach a message on the good Samaritan. Ready, set, go. And so what he didn't tell the students, there was 10 of them, was that he had physically planted a homeless guy on the sidewalk, the only sidewalk that you take from this building to the next building, this homeless guy who was bent over in pain, crying. So the seminarian students, they had to get out of the building, literally step over the homeless guy and continue to the chapel and get ready to preach. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of those seminarians means you're like studying to be in the ministry, like a pastor, okay? How many of these guys do you think stopped to help the homeless guy? None. Actually, it was one. One out of 10. That's 10% stopped. And so the professor was like, you missed the whole point of the message. Like, you're going to preach this, and you're not even living this, right? And... Why? Because he was in a hurry. Most of them, all of them, were in a hurry. Too busy. We're busy. We're trying to get to the, you know, they were trying to get to the lecture hall. They failed to understand what the message was about. But as a follower of Jesus, what are we going to do? We're going to see a need, and we're going to meet it. That's why Jesus did this. Jesus was having dinner um, with his disciples, and he found out that no one had washed their feet. It was a very important custom at the time, and so Jesus decides, all right, I'm going to do it. He sees a need. He goes, grabs a bowl of water, puts on an apron, he starts washing the feet of the disciples because he saw a need and he decided to meet it. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was, um, another time he was having dinner, about to have dinner with the disciples. They go out fishing. He's at, at the shore. They're out there for a while. He decides, I'm gonna do a barbecue. And he barbecues fish and he gets some bread and he gets it ready. And when they come back from being away, he feeds them because they're hungry. Jesus, the Son of God, he makes a charcoal fire, cooks fish, and serves it to his disciples. Why? Because he found a need, and he met it. And then there was a time when all these kids were coming to Jesus, running to Jesus, and the disciples were like, no, 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 don't bother Jesus, he's busy. And Jesus was like, no, 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 no. Let the children come to me. I wanna, I, he, he wanted them to, to feel loved. I want to play with them. I want to love on them. Jesus saw a need, and he met it. And as disciples, as followers of Jesus, that's what we're going to do. Now, I've got this friend of mine who comes to Doral Vineyard every once in a while. His name is Mike. And Mike is like, hey, Pastor Abdi, I know what the need is at the church. There is all these single women at your church, and I want to meet their needs. I'm the guy. And I just want to tell him, look... We're, we're not looking at trying to meet selfish needs. We want to live as Jesus lived, right? Living generously the way he lived, okay? So let me give you some modern-day examples. There are some folks in our church who found out about kids who don't have uh, backpacks and school supplies in our community, a little bit not in Doral, but a little bit outside of Doral. And so some of us uh, here, some of you here, we had a little basket out there. It said, we're collecting school supplies. People went, bought markers and backpacks and, and went. We, fought, we saw a need, and they participated in this back-to-school supply drive, and we met it. Reina, who's sitting up here in the second row, she went to Cuba a few years ago, and she noticed the homeless population when she was there on a mission trip. 
She wasn't necessarily there to minister to homeless people, but she saw a need. There were people in Cuba who suffer from alcoholism and are homeless. And so Reina learned of this. And what did she do? She went, she bought a recovery program that helps equip pastors to develop a program in their church to reach out to homeless people and the homeless population so they can do better in their lives, get off of their alcoholic you know, tendencies, behaviors, whatever. It's, it's a great program. That's what she did during Hurricane Dorian that was just a couple months ago. There were some of you folks in our church who gathered up supplies and supplies, a bunch of supplies, to help those folks who have been affected in the Bahamas by the destruction. Now, those of you that jumped in and helped in these different areas, they're everyday people like us, okay? But you see, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. You are a follower of Jesus. In the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 42, it says this, and, he, and if anyone gives a cup of cold water, to one of these little ones, because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. Here's the great news, that as you see needs and you meet them, it doesn't have to be overly complicated, right? You're, you're a follower of Jesus. This is what you do, right? The reward is coming for you. That's great news. The other good news is that, you know, it can be something as simple as a cup of cold water, or a hello, or a please, or a thank you. What am I talking about? I'm talking about just meeting a simple need to encourage someone. And there's a reward coming for those who meet the need. As a follower of Jesus, we're gonna find a need and we're gonna meet it. We're gonna meet it. Number two, as a follower of Jesus, we're gonna find a hurt and we're gonna heal it. You can write that down if you want. As a follower of Jesus, we're gonna find a hurt and we're gonna heal it. Matthew chapter nine, verse 35 says this. And then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and the villages and he taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and he healed their diseased bodies and healed their what? Say it with me, you guys. He healed their bruised and hurt lives. Jesus didn't just like raise the dead and heal the sick, no, he heals their hurt lives. He got into their lives. An example of this is found in the book of John chapter eight, verse seven through 11, where there was a lady who was being accused of adultery. And there were all these people about to throw stones at her and about to kill her. And so Jesus, he, he steps in the middle of the situation and he says, okay, those of you without sin, you can throw the first stone. And one by one, they all left. And Jesus defended her and he said, lady, I'm, I'm, not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna condemn you either. Go and sin no more. And Jesus, he found a hurt and he stepped into it and he healed it. And then there's Peter. You guys know Peter, disciple of Jesus? After he denied Jesus three times, you know, you look at Peter, some of us are thinking like, what are you thinking, Peter? Why did, would you do that? Why would you deny Jesus three times? You walked around with Jesus, you saw his signs and his wonders and his miracles, you know, and you're gonna deny him three times? How are you gonna go do that? But Jesus, he could have just written him off. He could have said, man, you know, forget you, I got 11 others, right, or 10 others at that time, right? But no, Jesus, you know, he doesn't do that. He, he, he comes back after the resurrection, and he said to Peter, Peter, I believe in you. Peter, you are my disciple. Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. He said, okay, feed my sheep. And Peter, do you love me? He says, yes. He said, all right, go and take care of my lambs. And Jesus found a hurt. Peter was rejected. 
and Peter was hurting, and so many of us, we feel like that. We're beaten down, and we don't think we're worthy, and we don't think we're anybody. And Jesus comes in and he says, I believe in you. You're a champion. You're my finest creation. You are my follower. You're my disciple. And that's what we are. As followers of Jesus, we're going to find a hurt and we're going to heal it. It's something as simple as caring and loving and listening and praying and helping someone. My wife, this past week, she had a coworker who his wife had a miscarriage. They had, him and his wife, they had a miscarriage. And so my wife went and she picked up some food and she brought it to their home and she sat with them for a little bit and listened to them and they had a, a newborn. And so because they had a newborn, the wife, she was still recovering from the miscarriage, couldn't pick up the baby, couldn't do much with the baby. And so the dad, the husband, Marie's coworker, had to stay at home and take care of both the baby and, and the mom as she was recovering. She physically could not pick up anything and so they were from a different country they had no family here they didn't have a support system and so my wife thought you know what if I don't help this family who's going to help them who's going to help them if I don't help them as a father of Christ it's what we do there's hurts all around us and if we don't heal these hurts who will and we may think oh but I have my kids and I'm so you know it's so complicated and yes it is but all we have to do is tell Jesus Jesus look I want to help these people, but I, it's hard, it's complicated, I don't know how to help them. I want to help them, but it's, you know, I, I've got all these things going on, and so, you know, God will help you. He'll help you out. He, he'll find a way to show you how to help these people. Marie, she found a hurt, and she helped in this family's healing process, and all of a sudden, this family gets hope. As followers of Jesus, that's what we do. We find these hurts, and we heal them. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, it says this, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you what? If you love one another. You love one another. As followers of Jesus, we're gonna find a need and we're gonna meet it. As followers of Jesus, we're gonna find a hurt and we're gonna heal it. And as followers of Jesus, this is point number three, as followers of Jesus, we're gonna do a whole bunch of other things that don't fit into a point, okay? That's what we're gonna do. That's right, I said it. it's a little bit messy, it's not quite as succinct as the last two, but I hope you can understand that that's what we do as followers of Jesus. It's gonna be messy. It's gonna be spontaneous. It's not gonna quite fit in this nice box of this point. It doesn't, right? It's, it may not be the typical way that others have done it. As followers of Jesus, we're gonna do a whole bunch of other things, that Jesus asks us to do, that don't fit nearly into a point. That's my point as number three. As followers of Jesus, we're gonna love like Jesus loved, and we're gonna, we're gonna do what Jesus did, and we're gonna live like Jesus lived. Look at John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep, what do they do? Say it with me. My sheep, what? Listen to my voice. Say it again. They what? They listen to my voice. I know them, Jesus says, and they follow me. As followers of Jesus, this is who we are. We, we listen to the voice of God, all right? We listen to the voice of God, and he directs your life. And you're, you, let me tell you, you're in for the ride of your life. Let's look at the disciples. Jesus is walking by, and, and they're all fishing, and he says, boys, 
leave it all and follow me. And, and, and what do they do? They drop everything, right? They were spontaneous. They didn't like, okay, God, let me just put everything I have on offer up for a little bit. Or let me just like cash out my 401k and then I'll be right there. I know you asked me to follow you. I'll be, I'll be right there. No, what did they do? They just left it all and followed Jesus. What about the woman, the widow, who went to the temple and she gave all she had? She didn't have much, but she came to church or a temple and she felt to give to God and so she gave everything she had, everything. What about Zacchaeus? After he met Jesus, this, this guy who was notorious tax collector, this sinner guy, Jesus goes to his house and he loves on him and, and Zacchaeus becomes a follower of Christ and then Zacchaeus says, God, Jesus, he says, I'll give you everything that I've stolen back, everything I've stolen, I'll give it all to everybody that I've stolen and four times more than that. And then after that, I'll give half of what I have left to the poor. You see, when you are a follower of Jesus, He's gonna talk to you. And you're gonna do what he says. For some people, they're gonna feel the need to help the Syrian refugees that are in Syria to clothe them and give them food, and that's what they're gonna do. For other people, it's gonna be about getting clean water to those folks in Haiti. You know, we're gonna build a well, and, and I'm gonna help them get clean water. For others, it's gonna be like, you know, somebody like Liz Bohannon, in case you don't know who she is. Liz Bohannon. She, she started this, she, she had a heart for African young ladies after they graduated from high school and she wanted to help them get to the university. And so what she decided, you know, I, I'm gonna start a business and I'm, and I'm gonna help them get jobs and I'm gonna help them have enough money to go to university. And she didn't know what business, she was a journalist by trade and she didn't know what to do. And so she started, she's like, you know, one of the things that bugged me going to college was I'd wear my flip-flops going to school and to, to class and they would make all this noise. So what I wanna do is I wanna make flip-flops that don't flop. And she tried this business plan. Let me tell you, she was successful in this business. She made these flip-flops that don't flop. And she, what she did is she created these you know, places of employment in Africa on this business premise. Flip-flops that don't flop. Her business plan didn't flop and the, and the ladies got to go to university. It was great right? There's people like that. And then there's people like Vivian who's sitting in the front row. And there's people like Tony who's sitting in the second row. And there's people like Dave who's standing in the back in the corner, right? These people give 15 to 30 hours of their time every week to volunteer at the church with me on staff for free, for nothing. God has spoken to them and they're responding. Now, these are everyday people like you and me, you see? You are a follower of Jesus. You are a disciple, and you can make a difference in people's lives. And you may be here, you say, well, Pastor Abdi, I can't. It's too much. It's too big. No, 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 no. The Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Through Christ, you can do anything. What's impossible for man is possible with God. You can do it, and you're a champion. And God has empowered you as a follower of Christ. You are not becoming a follower. Uh-uh. You are a follower. Christ lives inside of you, and he empowers you. He gives you the words to say. He gives you the compassion. He gives you the ability to speak into someone's life and make a difference for eternity as a follower of Jesus. Man, are, are we going to do what Jesus did? Are we gonna live like Jesus lived? 
we're going to love like Jesus loved. It doesn't make sense maybe to even people who are around you. And when they see you and, and they, you're like, yeah, I think Jesus asked me to do this thing. And I, I know you don't understand it. I know it sounds different. But, but listen, you go do it. And this is what I want to tell you. We're not living for the approval of man. We're not living to please others. We're not living to be a normal person. We're living for the approval of God, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the one who we're here to serve. He's the one that we're here to please. And here's the, he's the one that as a follower of Jesus, we're gonna say, yes, God, I'm gonna go do that. I remember when I finished high school and I was going to university and I didn't know what to do with my life. I didn't even know if university was the right pick for me. And it was, I remember that I, I looked at this university and it was 2,000 miles away from where I lived and very super expensive. And I didn't know how I was gonna pay for it. And yet I was felt like I was supposed to be following God. God was leading me to do this. And so step by step, he was preparing me. He was developing me. He was teaching me that, you know what? You're a follower. You're, you're my follower. Pe people are not gonna quite understand it all. People are not gonna quite get it all. But you just follow me, follow me. And so I, I did, and I'm, I'm here to tell you today uh, that, you know, I, I don't have it all together, but I, I, and I'm not anything special, but one thing I do believe is that, you know, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, and he lives inside of me, and as, as I follow him, and I do what he did, his power, his ability to change a life is gonna work out through me and affect others because we are his followers. We are his disciples. We are salt, we are light, and we're here to make a difference on this earth. And when you believe in who you are, you'll know what to do. You are a follower of Jesus. And the great news is that if you know the risen Christ, your life is not your own. You belong to him. As a follower of Jesus, you don't just believe what he said. You do what he said. You love like he loved. And you get to make a difference in this world as a result. And so what are we gonna do? We're gonna find a need and we're gonna meet it. We're gonna find a hurt and we're gonna heal it. And we're gonna do a whole bunch of other things that don't fit on a point because our lives are not our own. We belong to him. I love the story of the missionary girl who was in a very poor part of the world. And she was there and, and she was ministering to and trying to help a guy that was you know, had been almost dead by a gutter. And there was a wealthy guy who happened to be at the same place watching what she was doing. And he was visiting, and he sees this very young missionary girl working on this guy who quite honestly smelled horrific. And this guy, he was, his, he was, it was like nauseating to be around. And she, he watched, disgusted, as she tried to doctor this guy, his wounds, and turned away, and, and, and so this guy goes to her, to the young girl, and he says, you know, I could never do what you're doing, not even for a million dollars, I could never do it, and as she's there trying to help, she pauses, she looks down, and then she looks at him, she goes, you know what, I could never do it for a million dollars either, but I could do it for the one who saved my life, who gave his life for me, for Jesus, I can do that for him, because when you believe in who he is, and you believe in who you are, and your life is not your own, then you want more than anything else to live like he lived. You want more than anything else to love like he loved. 
You want more than anything else to find a need, and in the name of Jesus, you meet it. You find a hurt, and in the name of Jesus, you heal it. And you do a whole bunch of other things that don't fit quite neatly on a point. Things that people may not understand. But guess what? You are a follower of Jesus. And you live for him. Would you bow your heads and let me pray with you today? Just take a moment. Father, as we quiet our hearts and quiet our souls, I I pray that this truth would be driven deep into us today, into our souls. God, first I pray for those who are followers of Jesus, that they do belong to you. And those of you who would say, you know what, I am. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I've been perhaps a little bit distracted by life, and I want to realign myself with him. I don't want to just go to church. I don't want to just believe a certain way. I want to do what he did. I want to love how he loved. I I, want to live how he lived. God, I want you to use me. God, give me a need to meet. Some of you, you're going to step into serving at our church. You're going to go visit these tables in the back and you're going to serve in a particular area. Some of you, you're going to see someone in your family that's hurting or someone that's nearby and and you're going to find that hurt and you're going to heal it. Others of you, you're going to start acting irrationally. Why? Because your life is not your own and you want to do what he calls you to do. Those of you who would say, you know what, that's me. I really do. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a servant. I want to live in such a way that brings glory to his name. I don't want to follow a religious movement or just be a part of an establishment. I want to be a part of a spiritual movement as a follower of Christ, a follower of Jesus. I want to be a student. I want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be used for his name's sake. Those of you who would say, you know what, that's me. If that's you, then just stand up with me right now. I want to pray for you, and I want to pray with you. This is just for those who claim faith in Jesus. Stand with me. And by that, you're saying, yes, God, I do. And so I pray that you would work at every follower of Jesus' heart. I pray, God, that you would give them divine opportunities to show your love. I pray that we would be students of your word and that your word living inside of them would overflow out of them and that they would see needs and say, this one's mine, I got this one. This one's mine. God sent me to meet this need. I pray that they would find a hurt and they'd say, oh, okay, I'm the one that God sent. I'm here to bring healing. And God, I do, I pray that that they would be sensitive to your voice, that over and over again, that you would call them and direct them to do things that they may not, it may not make sense because this life is not theirs. It belongs to you. They are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that they would know that, that they would internalize that. Who are they? They are instrumental. They are God's finest. They are champions. They are more than enough. They are influencers. And they are your followers called to bring you glory into this world. And as you keep praying, some of you right now, you're going to say, you know what? I am not a follower. I'm not. 
Now, this might be confusing to some people around you because a lot of you, your stories may be similar to mine, that I grew up believing in God and I grew up, you know, going to church, but guess what? I wasn't following. I didn't know him. I wasn't serving him. I wasn't his student. I wasn't his disciple. I wasn't living like he lived and loving how he loved and doing what he did. I just, I wasn't a follower. Others of you, people may look at you and go, yep, that's right, you are not a follower at all. It's pretty obvious to all of us. Your life doesn't look anything like a life that is following at all. But when you, what you heard today, you heard that who he is, you heard what he did, and you were spiritually drawn to him. Guess what that is? That is God loving on you. That is the Holy Spirit working inside of you. And let me, let me just tell you, that's why you're here today. In fact, I believe with all of my heart that there are those of you that God brought here specifically for this moment because you recognize, you know what, I am not a follower and I want to be. And let me just tell you what it's going to cost you. You can't work your way to get it. You can't earn it. There is actually nothing that you can do to be good enough for it. You are made right with him only by his grace. When you call on him, you say, Jesus, you shed your blood for me, your innocent blood. You are so good. You rose again. Your word says whoever calls on you will be forgiven, will be made brand new. But get this. Here's what he wants in return. He doesn't want a part of your life. He wants all of your life. Salvation is free, but when you belong to him, you give him your life. I want to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those of you who would say, you know what, that's me. I know it, it's me. I can sense it, that's why I'm here today. I am ready to give my life to him. I want to be new. Jesus, my life is not my own. I surrender it to you. Make me new. Would you save me? I give my life to you. If that's your prayer today, would you just simply lift up your hand high right now? Just lift it up and say, yes, that's my prayer. I call on him. See those hands here? God bless you guys. I see these hands. God bless you. Would you all just take a moment and pray this prayer aloud together? Everybody pray. Pray, Heavenly Father, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Change me. Make me brand new. I believe that you died for me and you rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit because my life is no longer my own. I have been bought with your blood. I am a follower of Jesus. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. I give it to you. Use it to love like you love to live like you live, and to do what you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Would you take a moment and thank God and welcome those today born into God's family. Yay.